Well, my, my, my assignment today is something that was a little confusing me in the beginning of this week, but the more I got into it, I began to understand it because we did a series a number of years ago called Back to the Future. And we, we did a particular message to kick off that series, and, and I got to thinking about it this week, and I had something that I couldn't get away from because the Lord began to really deal with me over the last several years from really 2020, 2021, and now into, into this year, it seems like our country is not concerned about where we're going. We're just concerned about how we can survive what we have. Let me say that again. We're more concerned about how to survive than we are where we're going. And, and, and if you don't have a direction of where you're going, you're going to have a hard time surviving where you are. I just want you to know that. And we want to talk about that, about how to be, if you will, future motivated. I, I am, I'm a firm believer that God doesn't live in the past. And God doesn't really live in the, in the, in the, in the natural or in the now. He, he lives in eternity. And he comes back to the now so we can get to our future. Okay, let me go over here again. Some of you all look at me kind of fused. <laughs> The Bible says that in Christ Jesus, that we're in a constant mode of change. Constant mode of change. So even while you're sitting here, according to the kingdom of God, you should be in a mode of change. And it says we're changed from glory to glory. So if that's the case, God can't be satisfied with where you are now. Because he has a place he wants to take you to in the future. I have not seen, ear have not heard, or enter the heart of man the things God has prepared for them. God's got something for you you haven't seen yet. And we're being changed from glory to glory to glory. We're moving towards that mark. So while God is, is satisfied with us in the sense that if we're living for him now, he is not satisfied with us in the sense if we stay in the now. Everything is about where he's taking us. Amen? We don't know what... We shall be like, but we know this, we shall be like him when he shall appear. So what you're looking at when you see me is not really who I'm going to be. So I have to begin to think about how does my future look. Come on, turn to someone and say, how does your future look? They tell us according to studies that the majority of people in, the, in our system today do not have a written vision of any kind. That many people, what they call as visions, is momentarily motivated how to get out of the mess they're in. It's not about a final end result of a journey. In other words, they're trying to create something out of what they've got that hopefully will be a little bit better tomorrow. Rather than looking at tomorrow and changing what is today. The way you get to your tomorrow is allow the future to so motivate you that you can't stand what's in today. What you're comfortable with will never leave your life. What you're uncomfortable with has to go. Amen. So let's say, I don't know, how old are you, young man? 18 years old. So if you wanted to be a ball player, you could sit around and play games and watch ball players and go on, go on all of the you know, ESPNs and all that. That don't do a thing for you, does it? Until you get up off the rusty dusty, get into the gym, get out and run around the track a little bit, put some pads on, start applying yourself. And what is that about? That's about the now that's preparing you for the future. 
And if you're not using your now to prepare for your future, your future is destined for failure. So as I begin to look at this series, I begin to say, wait a minute, it's very relative for today. Because America has lost sight of their future. We're so caught up with the problems. And that doesn't mean we stick our head in the sand and say we don't have problems. But it means the problems do not motivate me. Someone said, you know, needs will motivate you. No, needs will just upset you. The answers to the needs motivate you. Answers motivate. Needs just cause you to kind of move into a mode where you just aren't happy with life. So whenever you're around people that aren't happy, it's because they have no future. Anybody who's futuristic is always happy. It's funny, isn't it? My dad was 89 years old when he went home to be with the Lord. And to the day he went home to be with the Lord, he was always talking about the future. And when he quit, now watch this now, when he quit thinking about the future, he checked out. He's laying in his bed. He's shaved, clean, looks good. We have church on a Sunday morning. I go to church. My dad is sitting there in the bed. My brother is there. The nurse is there. One of our other associates and their wife was there. And my dad looked at my brother and he said, uh, let me ask you something. He said, yeah. He said, didn't mom die at 11.10 on a Sunday morning? My brother said, yes, she did. He said, hand me my Bible. My dad, they handed my dad his Bible. He lifted it up. He shook it three times. You know what that means, don't you? God is a good God. God loves you, and God's going to bless you. He smiled. He laid it down. He closed his lives, and he checked out. You know why? Because that moment he realized his future was over. The moment that you lose sight of your future, your moment is now have a dictation of death to it. If you're not futuristic, then the moment is going to kill you. I want you all to get a hold of that this morning. Say, well, physically, it will with everything else around about you. And what's happened to our nation today is we're no longer futuristic in our thinking. We're always trying to take care of the moment, always trying to take care of what we, and we're wondering why nothing is working. We're always, that's the reason when we talk about the abortion issue, and and it's such a big thing, because it's the enemy trying to steal the future of of our, our civilization from us. Someone says, what do you mean? You against, I'm against abortion. Yes, 100%. Why? Because you're killing the future. What about people who's had abortions? I love them. I forgive them. I don't hold it against them. I don't want to feel guilty. I know God is a God of restoration. But that doesn't mean I'm going to justify the act. Come on, stay with me, folks. So future is real important. You guard those things in your life that talk about your future. When you study as young people in school, it can't be about learning for the moment to pass a test. It's about what I learned for the moment is going to help me pass the test of life in the future. It's not about a 100 or an A. It's about where I'm at when I get out of college and I go to work and what am I doing? What is my life saying? So everything we do in life, it's important that we, we, we begin to look at the future and realize that the reason this was the greatest nation in the world because they had the greatest futuristic mindset of any nation of the world. And they're trying to steal that away from us. 
And the only one that's going to save that, I personally believe, is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe the church has the greatest future of any, anything, anyone, anywhere. Why? Because we have a living God. And our living God has already gone before us and set in motion. He says, I'll go before you and make the crooked path straight. He's already set in motion what he wants you to achieve. And he says, if you'll listen to me, you'll never be captured in your moment because you'll always be celebrating where you're going rather than where you've been. Glory to God. So as I begin to look at this, these things begin to roll over my mind. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. We're in Isaiah 43, 18 through 20. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I'll make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Philippians 3.13, this is one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize, upward call of God in Jesus or in Christ Jesus. I, did you get that? I press. Now, let me say that again. I press. There's a lot of teaching out there today, and we'll get into that in, in, a, in the next few weeks in the month of August when we, we get into teaching on the subject of grace, that the idea that we don't have to push towards something is ridiculous. We have an obligation to apply ourselves. Jesus, the first thing he said to mankind, you be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. Your responsibility, not God's. God said, I've given you the ability. I put you in a place it can happen, but now you've got to do it. He said this, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, you've got to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. As many as received Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of In other words, you, you, come on, turn to somebody next to you again. We're going to talk to each other this morning. You've got to start doing something. Oh, I just believe God's going to whatever he wants to be. No, not true. Until you do what you're supposed to do, God can't release into your life what he's planned for you. For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He sent not his son to condemn the world, but he sent his son that the world might be saved. So salvation has been, I turn to someone and say, salvation is here for everyone. What keeps someone from salvation? Their unwillingness to receive. Y'all are looking at me weird. If you're not willing to receive something, no matter how much someone worked at developing it for your good, it becomes worthless to you. You, you understand? I said it becomes worthless to you if you're not willing to receive. You understand? So if I, come here just a minute, young man, come here. So if I, if, if I take, and I, and, and I take this $20 bill, and I go, I want you to, I've, I've prepared this for you. All you got to do is learn how to receive. What is your responsibility? What are you doing? Why are you just standing there? Because if you don't receive it, 
Sit down. That's where most people are. God says, hey, man, you don't have to die. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to suffer loss. Hey, Gunda, you might have life in heaven more abundantly. All you got to do to receive. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. He, he stood in front of me, and he had that but I don't know. Somebody, so, what, what do I do? You receive it. Now, let me tell you what happened in that moment. When it finally dawned on him and Pastor Gary yelled out, as a good pastor, take it. Can I tell you something what he wasn't thinking about? He wasn't thinking about a TV program we watched last night. He wasn't thinking about what he ate last night. He wasn't even thinking about how many hours he slept last night. All he thought about is, I'm going to get that 20. You know why? All of a sudden, in a moment, I changed him from the moment to the future. We as a church have got to begin to move into that direction. God said, I would hold no good thing from those who love me. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. My God. God says that my thoughts towards you are good thoughts. So why is not the church we've got to teach all this other stuff? God's going to get you. No, God's going to give it to me. All I got to do is walk right before him. Forget, who cares about the past? Here's another problem we have with the past. I want to address that before I get into these other thoughts. Why is it we have a tendency to talk to people and we go, you remember when? Wasn't that so cool back then? Nothing was cool back then. You just had enough sense to know what it was. Sean, I was laughing the other day. He's going, you know, Dad, I need to go down to see the guy where you buy your suits and stuff in the store. He says, I want to get this double-breasted suit. You know, the, the, the 80s and 90s are coming back in. And, and I... <laughs> Which the funny part is, if you stick around long enough, you're just going to repeat yourself. I don't care how good it was in the past, it is not to be compared to the goodness of the Lord in the future. That's so good. Never forget that, especially in the, in, as you're growing up as young men and women in God, your future is always better than your past. I don't care how bad it looks now, now has nothing to do with how good it's going to be in the future. Because if I know my God, and I know my God, he said, I sent my son that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I want you to be blessed in your coming in and in your going out. I want you to be a blessing to others. I want you to have such blessings in your life that is running over in your life that other people enjoy being around you. That's hard for some of us, isn't it? Because you never want to be around someone who's negative because it's always about the now and the, and the problem. It's never about the future. It's either complaining about something. And so when you get around them, you kind of go, you ever leave someone and say, I need to go take a bath? <laughs> They've dumped so much stuff on you, you, need, you know you've got to get that washed off. I'll let you figure that one out. <laughs> When we look at the scriptures, we understand something, that the world system has been, been it's in the beginning of time, it's been working to discredit God 
and the goodness of the Lord through the failure of mankind. I do believe this. I believe that if we'll trust God, God will never leave us and never forsake us, and he will never fail us. I wrote this down. If I believe in Jesus and do not believe his word, then my belief is not credible. Let me say that again. If I believe in Jesus and do not believe in his word, then my belief is not credible. If I do not believe in what one says, how can I believe in who they are? If I can't believe in Jesus and believe what Jesus said, then I really don't have credibility in saying I believe in Jesus. We were on a plane flying back from Thailand. We had to go through California. I get on the plane in California in L.A. We're flying back, and a gentleman's sitting next to me, and he notices I had my Bible out. I was looking through some things because I knew I was going to have to minister when I got home. And he looked over at me, and he quote out of his mouth, oh, you're one of those. Now, I'm not talking to you. I don't know you. Stay in your seat. I'm in my seat. We're not, in, we're not in, the, in, the, in the back of the bus. We're both sitting here in first class. Just be quiet. You know, those seats are big enough. You don't have to get in a conversation. If I don't like the way you look, I don't have to tell you, oh, you're one of those. That's just my thoughts. And so I looked at the guy, and I said, could you explain to you, me what you mean by one of those? He says, you know, you know those people who... who believe in the Bible. I said, yeah? What's wrong with believing the Bible? He says, well, you, you need to understand you can't be really intellectual and believe that. So he's calling me stupid or something else in, in, a, in a nice way. <laughs> and so I looked at it. It was really comical. So, so I looked at him. I said, so you are an intellectual. He said, well, I don't know. Then he Skids out all his little pedigrees about what school he graduated from, and, and he's, he's got his master's degree, and he's working at this company. And I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm listening. I said, isn't that awesome? I said, so let me ask you something. In your company, if I walked in today and I said to you, don't do that, do this, would you listen to me? He said, of course not. I said, why not? He said, well, you know, number one, I've already said, I don't think you're an intellectual, but he said, but number two, you know nothing about what I do. I said, so... You're the intellectual who's trying to school me in something you know nothing about. But yet you tell me I don't say and talk to you about your business because I know nothing about it because I'm not an intellectual. But you're the, intell- you're the smart person who knows nothing about what I believe in. And you've already summed up who I am. He's kind of looked at me. He said, what else you got to say? I said, well, I just find it amazing to me that you have made up your mind based upon the world in which you live rather than based upon the God who created you. He just kind of looked at me and he, I said, now when you go, go to bed tonight and you get home, I said, and you close your eyes, do you go right to sleep? He goes, of course I do. I said, what do you do? He says, well, things run. Oh, we call that the soul. He said, what do you mean? I said, that's your soul. I said, and your spirit man is communicating with your soul and is running things through in the last moments of the night before you go to sleep. He said, I never heard that. I know that you're an intellectual. (laughs) We got off the plane. We led him to Christ. And he said, I've got to get a Bible. He said, I've never had anyone from who you are ever approach me that way. 
I was always to talk to them about, you know, about the science of things, about the biology of things. He's no one ever talked to me about me. I said, that's your problem. The Bible is not about the science, although you can validate it with science, but it's about you. Don't tell me you believe in Jesus and you don't believe what he said because you haven't taken time to figure it out. If you believe in Jesus, you believe what he said. And if you believe what he said, you know your future is better than your past. And your now is only a stepping stone to your future. If you learn to use your now as a stepping stone, you'll be amazed at how the future unfolds. I want to give you some thoughts to consider in this area and understand that Satan's tried to destroy man's identity. He did it with, when we, when we look over here, what did he do with uh, Adam and Eve? He went to Eve and he said to her, he says, listen, don't partake of the fruit from that tree because if you eat of that fruit, then God knows you'll be like him. In other words, who you are now really is not, not really who you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be like God and you're not like God now. So take of that fruit. In other words, he challenged who she was. What happened with Jesus in the book of Matthew in, in, in 4, in 1 through 11, in Luke chapter 4, 1 through 12? Satan came to Jesus. He'd gone through 40 days of fasting. And what did he do? He challenged him. He says, if you be the son of God, let me talk to you about your identity. And if there's one thing about your future, you've got to understand is you've got to know who you are. If I didn't know who I was on that plane, that man would have destroyed me. But see, I was totally secure in my walk with God, in my relationship with God. It doesn't, see, I'm too late to tell certain things too. You can't tell me God doesn't heal because I, I died of a heart attack and, and came back after I flatlined. I'm the wrong person to talk about not believing in miracles. My wife got healed of cancer, eh, no points. I always love it when people who've never experienced anything are telling you what you should believe. So the next time somebody wants to speak into your life, ask them have they ever been that way before. It's amazing. The moment they say no, then say, I love you. Just shut up. Be quiet. You don't know what I'm dealing with. Destroy man's identity. How does he do it? He does it through temptation. He does it through disobedience. He does it through jealousy. Adam and Eve, it was through disobedience and temptation. Cain and Abel, what he did? He did it with jealousy and anger. Cain couldn't figure out who he was. So he didn't do what he was supposed to do. It's amazing to me. We understand jealousy, anger with Cain and Abel. Wickedness with evil thoughts with the people in Noah's day. That he came and he filled. And we're filled today with, with pornography. We're filled with all kinds of, of hatred. We're filled with all kinds of racism. We're filled with all kinds of degradation of mankind in our world today. There's so much going on. Why is it? To quit or stop us from realizing that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image and likeness of God. That God said he saw me before they chose me before the foundations of the world were laid. In other words, I was picked for the team. That means I've got to have something going for me. You don't pick a loser to go on your team. You pick a winner to go on your team because you want to win the game. And he chose you before the foundations of the world were laid. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, red, yellow, black, or white. He knew who you were. And he says, I brought you into this earth in this position because I'm going to use you to change the world in which you live if you will allow me to use you. 
But what does the world do? It uses all of these things, these destructive things to try and get mankind to lose their identity. See, you're just a black boy. You're never going to make it in life. So just don't worry about it, okay? That's what the world tells you. You know what God says you are? You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. I've set you forth for some great things, son. I've seated you in heavenly places with my son. You know what's funny? The moment you get saved, there's nothing ever said about where you were. It's always about where you're going. Isn't that amazing? Another thing, God never talks about your gender. Oh, come on, say with me, folks. We're living in a world we're gender-oriented now. God's not confused about gender. Hello. He's not confused with that. He doesn't talk about whether you're male or female. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done. You can be male and female. Be young and old. You can be red, yellow, black, or white. It doesn't matter what the world says. I'm looking at my future. And my future is not based upon the system here in the system of this world. But my future is based upon the system of the kingdom of God. Now watch this now. As we move through that pride, trying to exalt ourselves above God. That's what they did at the power of Babel. They lost sight of the fact they were creating the image and likeness of God. So now we're going to rise above God. So they, they use pride. They use, they, again, like the self-image with Jesus. And they use carnality when it comes to the kingdoms of this world. Look at the world system. Look what it has, yeah, look what it has to offer you. And, and let me ask you all something. Since the world has offered us so much, why is it we have so many problems? You've got more inventions on a daily basis than in the history of mankind. You've got more technology changing so rapidly that even the tech companies cannot keep up with the technology is changing so much. And we can't take care of the homeless. We're a funny people. Come on, stay with me, folks. We, 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 can't, we can't take care of, of the needs of the people. But yet, look how smart we are. It's like the intellectual next to me. You're so smart, you're just downright stupid. The world has become foolish in their thinking because they've gotten away from who they are and what God has done and realizing that what we have is to change the future. Change the future. So if I don't like the abortion issue today, change the future, not with what I'm dealing with today, but how do I want the future to look like? If I don't like what's going on with the gender problem today, change the future with our youth group and teach our youth the word of the living God. We'll change the future. Consequently, the now has no control over what's going to happen. Always look at the future. Number one, keys to getting back to the future God has for you. Number one is faith. It's not about a moment in time. It's about a movement. Faith is never about the moment in time. It's about the movement. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, now faith is, now in the immediate moment is, but that faith is, is what? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, which is future. So the now is nothing more than a stepping stone to your future. Faith is not about a moment. It's about a movement. 
If I'm going to walk by faith, it's because I'm going somewhere. If I'm going to walk by faith, it's because I've got something that I'm doing. If I'm going to walk by faith, it's because I've, well, I've stepped out of the natural into the supernatural. Because in the natural, I don't need faith. I just need knowledge and understanding. But by faith, I need the supernatural because I don't understand it. I don't understand how I can die and lie on a table and all of a sudden my life comes back and a doctor screaming at nurses, you better get back in here. Get my God, this guy's back. I don't understand that, but God understands it. And, by, and the reason I came back is because when I was lying dead before God, I saw my life flash from me. I said, but there's three things left of what you told me to do. I want to finish those. Then I hear the doctor saying, my God, he's back. What happened? It was my faith in what my God had said, which means who he was. And he says, I'm not, well, I will not be mocked. I put something in this boy he's going to bring out of him. And that was in... 2000, some here, 22 years later. I won't get into that. Somebody say, how many things you got left? None of your business. <laughs> Number two, hope. Hope is not about circumstance. It's about possibilities. Hope is about possibilities. What is the possibility of my now no longer ruling my future. See, if I can think about seeing the goodness of the Lord, then my now, if it's not so good, has got to change because I've changed my whole atmosphere to kingdom mindset. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's how I see life. It's how I see people. It's how I see my future. Is how I see my legacy. Is how I see my lifestyle. I found out a long time ago, people have a lifestyle based upon how they've lived their life. A lot of people have never lived their life to be futuristic. So now their lifestyle is not too good as they get older. Well, I've messed some of you up. Well, what if I do if I'm older? You start thinking different because that's where you now get into hope. And you think that now I'm going to move into possibilities. Not a, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about circumstance. I will talk about possibilities. I was standing with my dad. Of course, I use my family a lot. But I'm standing with my dad in the old property. I'll never forget it. 1490 Banks Road, we're standing in the front. My dad at that time had retired. He wasn't doing anything. And, and we would, he, he had a small salary that he had. And, and he was living with us in our, in our home. And uh, we were in the back room getting ready to come out. And he said to me, he says, you know, I, I rented this single mom. She's got three kids. Her husband was abusive. It's a mess. He said, uh, and, 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 and she needs $1,000 to get into an apartment. I said, well, Daddy, are you telling me you want the church to look at this? He says, no, I'm just, just get an agreement with me. He says, I said, well, are you going to get He said, well, I ain't got $1,000. But he says, you know what? I found a long time ago that if I think about what could be, just get an agreement that this is going to happen. So we're standing in praise and worship. I'll never forget it. We're standing in praise and worship, you know. And uh, Tiffany was up leading the music at the time, Tiffany Miller. And she's up leading the music, and we're worshiping God. It's wonderful. All of a sudden, some guy comes by my dad and reaches over and hugs him, you know, and he shakes his hand and walks away. And, he, and my dad's sitting there, and, he, and he's, he's looking, you know, and he, he looks over at me. He starts laughing. I said, what are you laughing at? This is worship, man. Nobody's telling jokes. Up his hand. It's 10 $100 bills. He said, You see, all you got to believe what God has called you to do, and everything becomes a possibility. That's right. 
Oh, by the way, he was in his 80s. So for those who think you're too old, there might be somebody walking around with your money waiting for you to receive it. You just hadn't got the possibility thinking that it could happen. I just messed somebody up. <laughs> Number three, it's about love. Your future deals with love. Now write this down. Love is not about others, but it's about ourselves. That sounds so prideful and self-centered, doesn't it? It's a funny thing, though, because you see, my Bible says, love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and mind, and then love my neighbor as I love myself. Most people don't love themselves. And that's why they have problems with relationships, even why they have problems with family. Because you don't you've not know how to love yourself. You don't taught your kids how to love themselves. And I don't mean stupid stuff like, oh, I love me. No, I don't talk about that. But I'm talking about learning how to love yourself the way God loves you. You deserve the goodness of the Lord in your life. You deserve it. Love yourself enough to know that good things, it's okay for you to receive. So many people go, well, I'd pray for that, but I don't know if I, you know, oh, stop it. I laughed. We had, we had my, my, Sean Aaron was, we had my, my granddaughter with me and, and you know, Sarah. She's something else. It's not about whether she's been good or bad. It's about this is what I think I deserve. Period. So she gets up yesterday morning. She says, I want to eat. So grandma gets up. She fixes her. She fixes her cheese eggs and, you know, and sausage. And she eats all that. So then she's playing around. They get up. And so then she goes, I want a pancake. So grandma fixes her pancakes. So she eats pancakes. Her father gets up. We go outside. She looks up. She says, I want a yogurt. So she gets a yogurt. Of course, mom and dad's not there, so this is why this is all coming off. <laughs> but what I'm, what I'm getting at is the mindset of her was, listen, I'm the grandbaby. That's my parents. You're supposed to provide for me. Oh, I just messed some of you up. She never doubted who she was. Not one time did she ever go, I'm so undeserving and I've already had so much. I don't need any. I don't you let one me say, I've just got so much. I don't. You never have enough. You never have enough. Someone said to me one day, what if you won $100 million in the lotto? I said, well, first I'd have to confess it and everybody would be mad at me. I said, because the pastors aren't supposed to play lotto. And I, I said, number two. <laughs> I would tithe. Oh, I'm messing some of you. Yeah. Number three. I say, now, do I dare play another number? If I'm so lucky now, maybe I can win some more. <laughs> say, what are you talking about? Let me say something to you. Never let come out of your lips that you have enough. You know why? Because you'll cut off the spigot and your future will be terminated. If you've got so much that you don't need anything, start giving stuff away to need stuff. Love is about learning how to position yourself 
in the kingdom of God so that God can actually flow through you with his love. And you will never do that until you realize that you're a chosen generation, until you realize that you are a child of the Most High God, until you realize that you're one of the children. You have a right to what's at the banqueting table. I know I'm going against a lot of tradition this morning, but let's look at this thing now. Number five, forgiveness. If you're taking notes, forgiveness is not weakness, but it's strength. Don't treat someone's kindness as weakness. By the kingdom of God, we're commanded to forgive others as we've been forgiven. But trust me, God forgiving you for God forgave you all your sins. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ, his son, his forgiveness of your sins doesn't mean he's weak. It means he's strong enough to deal with your failure. I can handle it. I'm not going to let someone else's inability to walk in love with the way they treated me to cause me not to forgive them and cause me to act like them. My Bible says this, when I stand praying, if I don't forgive, my prayers aren't heard. I'm going to jeopardize my prayers because you called me a name. I'm going to jeopardize my future because you cheated me in a deal. Oh, no, I'm going to turn it over to God. God will repay. Forgiveness. Forgiveness takes the greatest strength in the world to walk in forgiveness. It takes a real man and a real woman to be able to forgive people who've harmed them and hurt them. Number five, trust. Get this in your spirit. Trust is not about fellowship. It's about relationship. Trust is not about fellowship. It's about that relationship here. Watch this now. I mean, not about fellowship, but it's about relationship. See, my trust in someone doesn't mean that I hang out with you. I'll give you an example. Of course, I keep using me all morning. Might as well. My relationship with Dr. John Evazzini. I don't fellowship with Dr. John. I've never fellowshiped with him one time. We've never gone out and hung out and had a good time and just went out for dinner and chatted. We don't do that. When I'm with him, we, we, we flew it. He called me. He says, I want you to go over to Singapore with me and to Indonesia. We're going to do a ministry. We went over there. We're on the plane. While we were on the plane, of, of, of the 17 hours we were on the plane, over 14 hours were spent with our commentaries and our Bibles and him just teaching me the whole way over there. The other three we slept. When we got to, to the, the place we were going to, and we went into the hotel, I get a call from Dr. Avanzini. He says, have you got your stuff unpacked? I said, yes, sir. He says, come on up to my, they put him in a suite. He said, come on up to my suite, bring your Bible and your computer. So I come up there with my iPad, not my computer, my iPad and my Bible. I come up there and sit down. He's sitting at a big table. He's got all his commentaries, all his books. He says, okay, let's go to school. We just spent 17 hours. He says, I know, but we've got, we got tonight free, and then tomorrow we start preaching. No fellowship. We weren't there to hang out. Understand something about, about when, you, when you move into this, in this room about trust. Trust has nothing to do with how long you, you can hang out with people for 20 years and find out you can't trust them. You can have somebody you think is your best friend that's talking behind your back to somebody. Trust isn't made about having me hanging out with you. 
Are you an integrous person? Are you a person who loves God? Are you a person who lives righteous? If you are, then that means I can put my trust in not in about, it's not about fellowship, but I can put it into a relationship with you. And our relationship is not based upon man or flesh and blood because you might fail me as flesh and blood, but my relationship is built on something stronger. Reggie Scarborough, a dear friend of ours, made this statement to me one day. I'll never forget it. We were doing some things, and he, he thanked me because I'd helped him do some things. And, and he said to me, he says, you know, he said, the one thing I found about true friendship is that a true friend believes in you when nobody else believes in you. That's relationship. Favor. Favor is not about acceptance, but success. I said, favor is, not about success. favor is not about acceptance, but success. Favor brings success in your life. Dr. Mike Murdoch, Murdoch teaches all that a lot about wisdom and favor. But favor is for success. I mean, if I, if I look at favor, and I think it's acceptance. So because you got a job you wanted with the people you wanted to work for, you got accepted. So what did that do for your bank account? What did that do for your family's provision? What did that do for your idea of your future? And your, it didn't. Favor is about you not getting accepted, but it's about you walking into the success of that acceptance. Come on, turn to someone and say, you were created by God for success. Our problem is we base our success on what other people are doing. I love basketball. I really love basketball. And I was a darn good basketball player, believe it or not. There's just one problem. I'm short. Which means I can never have great success in basketball. So I can't look at LeBron James and use that as a Geiger counter as to how I am. can't do that. Quit looking at other people. Your success is not based upon other people. Oh, my goodness. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Favor is success. Success is not based upon how you look at other people. It's how other people look at you. Yeah. Riding down the road, guy standing on the side of the road, he said, Sign, veteran, homeless, hungry. I thought to myself, how sad. He was never created for that. Right, we're created for that. Was it God's design? Was it God's will? What happened to him? When did in light that he quit looking for favor? And start looking for pity. Favor's not pity. <laughs> Gotta move on. See, I'm going to get some people a little nervous. Wisdom. Wisdom is not about knowledge. It's about administration. Wisdom is not about what you know, but it's how to use what you know. It's how to use what you know. You can have somebody that is absolutely brilliant. They can't get out of the rain because they don't know how to use the knowledge they have. That's the reason the book of Proverbs deals so much with wisdom. Because with wisdom, I can build a house. See? 
I need wisdom. Solomon, the greatest king ever known to mankind. What made him so great? Wisdom. It wasn't his knowledge. It was his ability to handle circumstances like nobody else could handle. God, give me wisdom. How do I get wisdom? I get into the the book of Proverbs. I read the book of Proverbs. I I hide it in my heart because it's filled with ideas, concepts, and strategies of how wisdom flows and works and operates. Number eight, giving. Giving is not about want, but it's about creating value. You don't give to get, you give to create. I'm so tired of people saying, oh, you prosperity preachers, you give to get. No, I don't give to get, I give to create. God is not mocked. What's man soweth, that shall he also reap. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Give, it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. What does it keep saying? It talks about you've created more than what you gave. By giving, you create more than what you have. Oh, nobody loves me. Well, why don't you start giving some love to people? Why don't you make people feel love? And it's amazing how you'll create an atmosphere and a harvest of love that you can't contain yourself. Nobody cares about me. Nobody's ever done anything for me. Who are you doing something for? Start caring for the the people who can't care for themselves, helping people who can't help themselves. And look at the atmosphere that you will create for a harvest of people coming back into your life and coming back into you, you. It's important we get a hold of that. That giving is not about want, it's about creating value. If I give something to you, it's because I believe in you. It's because you have value to me. And I see something in you that can go to another level. I'm going to give you my time because you ever been around me, I'm just wasting my time. I don't waste my time with people. The moment I get in a situation I think it's waste, I'm real good about it. I go, you know what, I appreciate it. But I, I gotta, and not only that, I got Dave with me. Let you know what Dave does for me. I look over your shoulder and I look at Dave and I go, Dave goes, Pastor, we got somebody waiting for you over here. Why does he do that? Because I'm about to waste a moment here. And I know what's important to you is important, but sometimes what's important to you really is, you know, when I get out of church service, and we've ministered here, and we pray, and we're trying to minister here, I don't need to know, I don't mean this ugly, and please don't misunderstand me. You can, I'll see you during the week, I'll go to lunch, what are you going to But on Sunday, right after church, don't come up and tell me about some really ridiculous thing that you've been doing. I don't care. You're wasting my time. You say, Pastor, you're not much of a pastor. Don't worry, Sean's going to be senior pastor next year anyway. Don't worry about it. It's good. It's all good. He'll stand here all day long and let you tell him all about your tiddlywinks. <laughs> Learn to redeem your time. Learn to, I, I, I know, guys, I, I can't believe he's telling us this. I'm, hey, hey. 50-some years now, I can just tell you the way it is. I love you. I'll die for you. I'll go to, anybody who knows me, I'll go the last mile with you, whatever it takes. But please, my wife will tell you. She'll go, you're not even listening to me, are you? I go, nope. I learned something from her father. Her mother and my wife said, Jerry, get your ears shaked. Get your ears shaked. Get your ears shaked. So we're at lunch one day, and they're going from the table. And I look at Jerry. I said, Jerry, you got a problem with hearing? He says, nope. I said, they keep telling you your ears checked. He says, if they think that I need my ears checked, they'll quit talking to me. (laughs) Wisdom. 
Oh, man, I, I, I can see some people already. Aaron's already now taking notes. Sean, you'll never get away with it, son. You're done. You're done. <laughs> prosperity, prosperity is not about acquisition, but it's about creativity. Prosperity is never about you acquiring something. It's about taking what you've acquired, look at this now, to be creative with. Do not take the blessings of God in your life and sit on them. Use them to create with. Everything that is prospered in your life is so you can be greater at creating something for your future. Number 10, integrity. Integrity is not about popularity, but it's about character. It's about who you really are. Integrity is about who I am. I love it. Someone came to me not long ago. They said to me, he said, you know, we haven't been here in 20 years. And, you know, we're looking at you. You hadn't changed. I said, why would I? Because if I changed every five or ten years, so much for my credibility. But that's the reason this church has been here all these years, over 46 years, is because we've not changed our message. We've not changed our belief. We've not changed in who God called us to, to the message God called us to bring, that God is a good God. He loves you. He's going to bless you. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And, and if we ever get away from the message, we'll close the doors of this church. Why? Because integrity is about the character. Number 11, influence. Oh, I love this one. Influence is not about control, but it's about motivation. It's about motivating someone to move into another level, not trying to control them, not trying to micromanage them. It's important that if you're going to operate in, in, th in this dimension, then it's very, very, very important that your influence is to motivate people. You should control a situation. No, I need to motivate a situation. If it gets to control, then I'm out of my league. Number 12, the last one we ask musicians to come, is about purpose. Your future is about purpose. It's not about answering a question. It's about meeting a need. And I close with that because I want everyone here to understand something. You're not here by accident today. But there's something that God has in mind that he wants you to deal with. There's a need somewhere that has your name on it that you have the ability to solve. There's someone who's hurting that's waiting on you to touch them. There's someone who's struggling that's waiting on you to give an encouraging word. There's someone who's lost that's waiting on you to share the message of the Lord Jesus Christ that they might be saved. There's someone who's broken that's looking to you. You've got, a, you've got the ability to put them back together again. Not everyone, but there is some. You see, you need to important understand, every one of us were born with a purpose in mind that we can solve a need or meet a need. Someone said to me, well, what made you come to South Florida? It was the need. Well, why don't you go somewhere else? It's the need. In all the years we've been here, we've had multiple occasions to do some things nationally, do some things internationally, and to even go other parts of the, of the country to take churches that offered us ridiculous amounts of economic blessing and things that they would make available to us if we would make the move. And they would look at me 
And they would go, why would you not even consider it? I said, because I'm here in South Florida to solve a need. God told us to take this message and it would change South Florida. We're not the only church. We know that. We're not foolish enough to think that. But the message we got, we're the only message or the only church that carries this message. You go anywhere this morning and find out they're telling you God's a good God. He loves you. He's going to bless you. You go anywhere this morning and find out how many are telling you how valuable you are. You go anywhere this morning telling you that people telling you that your future is greater than your past and your moment is only a stepping stone. Welcome to Abundant Life Church, a place that is preparing an army to change South Florida with a message. God is a good God. God loves you. And he wants to bless you. And in order for us to transform South Florida, you have to embrace your future. I said you have to embrace your future. And no matter what the past has looked like, and no matter what the circumstance may be, if I can stay focused on my future, I cannot be held captive. I cannot be held captive. Who would have thought? say it every, all the time, but I don't care. I'll say it again now. My dead mom, 11 people, $14 and a poodle dog in the first meeting. 28 churches later. Millions of dollars of missions. I don't know how many hundreds of people have gone into ministry. And we're sitting in one of the most prestigious buildings that's here in South Florida. Who would have thought on that Sunday morning or that, that Wednesday night in that house that my dad met with 11 people. The first offering was $14. And the little dog sat at his feet while he gave him a Bible study. But look what the future has brought. I'm just curious about how you see the future for what it will bring. Because the worst is over. And the best is yet to come. Hey, thanks for watching the Abundant Life YouTube channel. We hope that today's message has blessed your life. And don't forget, if you enjoyed today's sermon, you can always subscribe as well as share this message with your family and friends. Also, to support the ministry, be sure to hit the giving link located in the description below. Through your giving, we're able to continue to spread the gospel and reach our world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Also, you can join us Sundays for all of our stream services on Facebook Live and AbundantLife.tv. And remember this, that God is a good God. He loves you and He wants to bless you today. Take care.